right, here we are. Dan on top, live, Scottsdale, Arizona. We've got an incredible guest on today. Good friend of mine, somebody I've gotten the chance to get to know over the last few weeks, maybe month. Obviously, we met on LinkedIn, David Evans. Anyway, David, say hello. How you doing? How's it going? Right. David, you with us? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. How are you, my friend? Um, hold on. There's a sound sure. issue. Sound issue. Sound. Sound. sound hey, sound, I can sound. hear you loud and clear. Shit. Hold on, Dan. Dan. No, you're good. Issue. You're good. Okay. Yeah. No problem. So anyway, we've got David here. David is a good friend of mine. David resides currently in California, and uh, has a background in multifamily brokerage. Shit, no. He's actually from the Detroit area, which is very interesting, and has been a broker uh, in other parts of the country as well. So first of all, David, whenever you're with us, just let me know, give me a holler, and uh, we'll, we'll bring you right in. So listen, before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about some tax reform. We kind of hinted a little bit at what's going on in California. David and I have been speaking about this. I made a post about it this morning. A lot of different reform on the ballots, and uh, normally not really a publicly political person. Say that six times fast. But uh, I do have some strong feelings about what's going on with some of these rental moratoriums and rent abatement and uh, tax reform and uh, tax reform that's not so great for businesses. So, you know, I want to dive into that a little bit on today's show. So, David, whenever you're, you're with us, let me know. Give me a holler and uh, we'll jump right in. All right. Um, so what we'll talk about first is some of the differences, um, you know, what's going on now in terms of regulations in California. I know that that uh, David, as we talked about, has a background as a commercial broker in different areas in the country. And I know that him and I have spoken about some of the challenges that are being faced uh, to the, the investors out, out of California in terms of cap rates, the, the low return on some of the investments, as well as some of the, the tax reform and challenges that people are seeing. David, are you with us? So what we'll do now is we'll just jump right in. And um, I know that there's a proposal, Proposition 15, that would release the cap on property taxes. David's going to talk to us a little bit about that in terms of commercial real estate in California. Uh, there's also Proposition 21, which is the end of Costa Hawkins, which allows vacant units to be brought up to market rate rent. So those two issues, and again, David, just jump right in whenever you can hear but those two issues are serious, serious issues for all investors in the great state of California. Why do I say that? Number one, typically when an individual owns property and that property does not change hands, the tax rate is the same. So if I own a piece of property in Detroit, Michigan, and I bought it 30 years ago and I'm paying $1,200 a year in taxes or $100 a month, it doesn't matter if the value of properties have gone up or down. I'm going to be paying that amount. Now, if it does go down, I can appeal to the, to the board and see if they'll lower my taxes. But what doesn't happen is it doesn't go up. Now, when there's a change in ownership, when that property is sold, the, the taxes actually do go up and um, you know, it, it can present a change in the net operating income of the property because now the taxes are more of an expense to the owner. So in California, it was the same situation as it is in Michigan. No change in ownership, no uncapping of the taxes. Now, unfortunately, they have this interesting bill, which is going, going to, which is proposing that the taxes on commercial property uh, in California 
can become uncapped even if there is transfer, even if there is no sale. And the problem there is that that's just going to further diminish California returns and thus make it even more attractive for investors in California to invest otherwise. Next topic we mentioned is Proposition 21, which is the end of a specific bill that allowed vacant units to be brought up to market rate rent um, when they had previously had rent control. So situation there is that you have a unit that let's say it has rent control and, and has a specific rent uh, on it and the tenant vacates. Now there's an opportunity to bring it up to market rent and rent it out to someone else. Well, it sounds like those vacant units um, are, are gonna still be rent controlled if, if this proposition passes. I'm not endorsing one way or the other. I'm just saying it's something that everyone should think about. So addition, in addition to that, we wanna talk a little bit about this eviction moratorium. And this is, this is something that's been, I guess, frustrating a lot of real estate professionals, a lot of investors, a lot of building owners all over the country, pretty much since the middle of March. Um, and that is that in many cases in the residential markets, it's impossible to collect rent right now. Not that it's impossible, it's actually almost illegal. And um, if a tenant isn't paying, there's no way that you can do anything to keep them from staying. So. You know, the old adage of you pay, you stay, you don't, you won't, it doesn't really apply in 2020. So that's another challenge that's presenting real estate investors, brokers, professionals all over the country. So David, is, uh, is everything up and running? Yeah, I'm up and running. I had to log, in, log oh, back good. in and buy out. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. So hey, yeah, totally, my pleasure. So I was just mentioning a little bit about Proposition 15 and 21 and then the eviction moratoriums. But hey, you're the expert. I was just jumping in. So give us a little bit of a rundown. I want to hear your perspective on, on what's going on there. So, yeah, what's going on here is that, the, as you mentioned um, previously, it's the two ballots on, um, that are uh, to be voted on actually now. And then, five, you know, at the end on November 3rd is uh, Proposition 15, which is property tax deregulation. Um, historically, commercial real estate uh, property taxes have been affixed uh, with Proposition 15. Um, that would be lifted. Uh, I guess the impetus or the goal of that is to create revenue for the state of California. Um, you know, I've so that's without done... even without a sale. Is that what you're saying? Correct. 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 It doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily triggered by a sale. Um, and I think that's a part uh... of the, uh, you know, the reason why it's not a favorable. Uh, proposition. Um, and then there's also, of course, Proposition 21, which would undermine uh, the Costa Hawkins Act of 1995, which essentially dictated that or mandated that if a unit becomes vacant, uh, once a, or once a previously rent controlled unit becomes vacant, then it's open to uh, be brought up to market rate rent. Um, so as a, I guess this so is all your value add opportunities there with with potentially vacant units or units that will go vacant to up the rents when they go to market market rent from rent control levels. It's totally gone. Right. Yeah. It it yeah, it, it definitely is in reverse. It's, it's definitely a challenge for existing um, owners and for those who are you know and trying to sell uh, their properties if those uh, if Proposition Twenty One passes. Listen, I don't want to swear on a streamcast, especially on my own, but like, what the heck is up with California right now? California needs money um, from a state level. And I think that unfortunately that the first mindset of a lot of legislators 
are to, um, you know, tax the landlords. The expectation is that, or the belief is that, you know, California landlords are wealthy and ultimately that they're not paying their fair share um, on the property tax issue. And then on the second issue, as far as uh, rent control, apparently they feel that despite having some of the strictest rent control laws in the nation, um, that there needs to be some additional uh, protections in place. Um. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that the misconception that landlords are, are wealthy, I mean, many of them are real estate. If you look at it uh, historically in this country, eight out of 10 millionaires made their money with sticks and bricks. So yeah, real estate is definitely a vehicle to wealth creation, preservation, and 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 an and increase. Uh, obviously, that's that's why we do it. At the same time, especially in a state like California, where your capitalization rates, your return rates are so low, your taxes are so high, the legislation for business is so poor, in many cases, the landlords are making less and less and less money. So this isn't a PSA to tell people not to become investors. It's a PSA to tell legislators and individuals who have power to influence legislators to get your act in line and stop penalizing the people that are saving this country. Stop penalizing the people who are building small business and who are building the economy and who are creating jobs. Support those people, don't you think? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it ultimately just has to come down to, you know, the there are some very active landlord groups um, where I'm at, especially uh, the uh, Apartment Association of Greater Los Angeles. There are a couple of other ones as well. Um, but I think also there just has to be, you know, support from everyone, um, for anyone who has investment property, uh, in California to say that, you know what, this is bad. This is not the solution. Nope, not at all. Not at all. So I like to keep things positive. I like to be solution oriented. What is the solution? I mean, what can we do as, as a group of professionals and as a group of brokers to really turn things around and, and, and in what messages can we convey to other investors out there or, or would be potential investors to help really get things going in the right direction, David? Well, I, I'm sure, as you know, um, you know, uh, landlords are constantly contacted by brokers like us to kind of see if they have a need um, to either buy or sell commercial real estate. I think that a part of the uh, message that we have to convey as commercial real estate professionals is that we are working in their best interest as well. We're not only yes. looking to, uh, you know, help them during those major events buying and selling, but also to advocate for them and, you know, to to notify them, to keep them abreast of uh, when certain propositions are hitting the ballot or when certain changes are being made to, uh, you know, the way they are able effectively uh, landlord or manage their properties. And because you'd be surprised when you have conversations with owners, there are some, of course, that are going to be that are, you know, already in the industry. They're real estate professionals, they're property managers. But then there are also the mom and pop owners and absentee owners who may not be aware of what's going on. And really, it's our job to educate them and keep them informed. Um, you know, what's going on and to why they should be actively uh, engaged in this conversation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my assessment is you're an incredible wealth of knowledge and you do a great job of informing and educating your clients and, and also brokers like myself. I've learned a lot from you. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, speaking of knowledge, I want your opinion. What's going on with the, uh, the Texodus or the, the, the Cal Exodus people are calling it? 
Well, yeah, the Cal exit is not just towards Texas. It's Arizona. Um, it's a lot of states. It's sure. Las, Las sure. Vegas. I mean, historically, there are a lot of Californians that moved to Las Vegas and then Arizona as well. I mean, you know, from an investment standpoint, it makes sense to for a lot of, you know, California investors uh, to park their money in other states. Uh, you know, especially as long as 1031s are available, exchanges are available, mm-hmm. it's probably going to continue to happen because there are greater returns. And ultimately, they're able to compete uh, or be then against their peers in other markets uh, just because they have access to a larger bit more capital. The property values in California are still high. Uh, properties, yes. despite, you know, the eviction moratorium, are still trading at record amounts. Um, so there's there's just a lot of liquidity and a lot of capital in California and a lot of investors who are kind of fed up with the uh, unfriendly climate for landlords are looking to park their capital in other markets, um, you know, as Texas. And yeah. Absolutely. And I've noticed, you know, as a broker myself, I'm in a slightly different space, you know, the net lease space, but I deal with with uh, investors all the time from California. In fact, many of whom are selling multifamily in, in California because of the high prices and then going ahead and investing in net lease assets in other parts of the country. So it's very interesting. I think it's very important to be educated as a broker, not only in your farm market, but in, in the entire nation, because then you can be a greater resource to uh, individuals and, and, and clients all over the country. So you know, on that note, I've got a lot of people that are watching that are interested in brokerage. You know, We've got a lot of professionals and a lot of investors and fund managers that, that regularly tune in, but we also have uh, younger people or people that are doing career changes that that want to get involved as a broker in commercial real estate. And I know, David, from what we've spoken, you've made some changes both, you know, in, in location and in, in maybe even asset class in terms of yourself as a professional and a broker. Uh, what advice do you have for someone who's getting in the game as a commercial real estate professional? Um, thick skin. Uh, I mean, it's really important. <laughs> I'm, so, I mean, especially in markets, you know, like California. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you really have to just have an understanding that one you just have to be thick skinned about having conversations with people who have no you have no relationship with um, and really also be uh, and really be um, conscientious about one calling to really discover and see what their needs are. Um, you know, don't go in and just expect, hey, do you have a need to buy or sell? Uh, ultimately, try to foster a conversation. Really, the objective when you're calling someone is to get a meeting, um, to get a meeting, to hopefully be able to create some value for them and to build a relationship, which can be, yes. which is which is an art to do it over the phone um, any, in any particular case. And I think it's really about going in and contacting people and finding out what needs do they have. Um, and also no, and and as much as possible, I think for some brokers, you know, or some brokerages, they're all about, you know, you know, dial, you know, heavy, heavy on the calls. But I think it's important also to one, do a little research on the people that you're calling. I think it helps the conversation, um, immensely if you know who you're speaking with, um, or at least, you know, the company, you know, you speak with, I, the firm that I work for, they have a dialer, which is integ- uh, integrated with a database, but it just shows people's names. It doesn't show what property management firm or investment firm that they work for or are the mm-hmm. owner of. So I, what I try to do to kind of, you know, create a nuanced conversation is just do a few minutes, uh, you know, digging on their background, whether totally. you can find it on LinkedIn. 
Yeah, whether you can find it on LinkedIn. Ironically enough, a lot of the uh, targets, you know, for landlords, you know, landlords that you're trying to reach out to are not going to be that active on LinkedIn. Uh, def, especially if you're trying to help them on the disposition side, um, they're not going to be active yeah. on LinkedIn. And that um, might be more so, you know, in multifamily. I, I know in net lease because the, the type of people we're dealing with, many of them are. You know, I, what I'm hearing you saying is that thick skin, providing value, which is huge, I think. That's like the key. And then knowing your prospects, which in, in, in essence allows you to build that relationship and then provide value. So listen, we've got maybe a minute, minute and a half left here. Anything, any direction you want to go? Any questions for me or, or anything that you'd like to speak about before we close up? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, I think we kind of mentioned a little bit just as far as kind of talking about the Detroit market. We, you know, have that in common because at one point yes. in my life, I was, you know, grew up there and you're still in that space um, to a certain extent. So, yeah, share. Yeah, Detroit market is hot, man. It's hot. I love Detroit. I'm, I'm all Detroit. I mean, I happen to be in a unique perspective because I'm a broker, but I have flipped a ton of houses in the city of Detroit. I, I'm, I'm born and raised. I live and die Detroit. And I think it's it's a great market. A lot of opportunity, not just in Detroit, all around the country. If you want to learn more, stay on top with me. David Evans, thank you so much for being on Dan on Top. Appreciate everybody watching. Drop some comments, ask some questions, engage, work with each other. Let's build things. Let's get that freedom. Let's help California, help the nation, and let's stay on top, guys.